Hello, I'm Joshua Graceberg. And I'm Jacob Friedman. And this is Gen Zero's Talk Politics. This is where two members of the next generation of American adults talk about what's going on in the world. Since the whole world is on fire, we might as well take a crack at delivering some insightful, definitely non-Twitter commentary and a side helping of comedy. Hello, everyone. So today we have three stories. The first one concerns Hickenlooper and McGrath's wins in Colorado and Kentucky, respectively, in the Senate primaries. Our next story concerns Russia allegedly paying the Taliban to kill U.S. troops for bounties in Afghanistan. And our final story concerned the June reports, as well as new developments in coronavirus in the United States. Uh, Jacob, please take it away. All right. So... First story, the primaries. We had an interesting bunch take place in June. The last results are jokingly in just a few days ago. And so we have confirmation now that former Colorado Governor John Hickenlooper, also a former 2020 presidential candidate, will be facing off against the very vulnerable Republican Senator Cory Garner. And Amy McGrath, a former Marine pilot, will be facing off against the incumbent Republican senator from Kentucky and Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell, who is underwater, but Kentucky is a plus 30R state, so he still has a good base to uh, support him. So as you probably guessed from our interview last episode, I'm pretty happy with what happened. Um, Colorado is bound to flip completely blue, given its uh, shift in... um, politics, given Gory Cory Garner is underwater in polling, given that backdrop of COVID and Black Lives Matter is propelling several candidates right now against senior incumbent Republicans in the Senate. And so, and for Amy McGrath, I mean, look, McConnell is Mitch McConnell. He's always been unpopular in Kentucky, yet he still wins every time because he's reliable. He is a reliable candidate in Kentucky. But I think if there was anyone that could possibly take him on now, it's Amy McGrath. You know, Marine pilot, dedicated to Kentucky, who is very much a different kind of Democrat from the national stage, I think, would work in Kentucky, given that their governor, Andy Bashir, is working pretty well for them right now. I, you know, okay. Jacob, I, I, I think while McGrath does probably have a chance against McConnell, I think... McConnell is, he's no ordinary senator, of course. I mean, he's the majority speaker for the Republicans in the Senate, you know, assuming the Senate says Republican, of course. And he has become especially powerful and significant and kind of recognizable on, you know, everywhere on a national scale. And I think if Mitch McConnell was to lose, it wouldn't go down quietly. You know, I think many Republicans would be angry because if McConnell wasn't reelected, the Republicans would have to, you know, choose and bring up a new majority leader. And I think a leadership change is always hard in almost every situation. And really, if Republicans want to keep everything the same way it is and not really have much of a transition, I think they need to pick somebody who's just like McConnell. Well, I mean, honestly, I don't think leadership would really be an issue for Republicans if McConnell were to lose. You know, um, McConnell has his deputies. He has a good reach in the party. He certainly wouldn't be out of politics if he lost. He would definitely be on CPAC. He would go on Fox News. He would do something in conservative realm. But um, you know there's something going on when McConnell is taking money away from Susan Collins and Cory Garner, both very vulnerable incumbents, for his own election. You know that's a bad – you know that there's something going on there. But hey, it's Kentucky. It's Mitch McConnell. We'll we'll see what happens. And, I mean, do you think, think, you know, if Hickenlooper – 
I mean, we know Hickenlooper's been moving on to, you know, the Senate, but the, there, I agree with you. There's a large possibility that Colorado will go blue, but do you think that'll have any, you know, national impact? Do you think there'll be as great of an impact nationally as if McConnell was, you know, not reelected? It's, it's clear that the country is turning left. It, there's no doubt about it. Black Lives Matter is definitely an indicator of that. And so no matter what happens in the Senate, I mean, and given the state of voting, you know, with absentee ballots and mail-in ballots, there's no guarantee, there's no guarantee what's going to happen. But in any case, I, I think the consensus in the country is set in stone that like it or not, this country will be heading to a left or direction for at least four years after Trump is gone. It's just how the pendulum swings. So our second story is about Russia paying the Taliban to kill U.S. troops who are stationed in Afghanistan. And, and Jacob, so is this still an allegation? I mean, it's almost it's it's all but confirmed. I mean, I mean, military intelligence has said that yeah, there's something here, but in terms of like, is Putin involved in this? We don't know. But there's something going on with Russia paying the Taliban. We know we know this, and this is this isn't their first rodeo trying to do something like this. I mean, they've done stuff like this before. But basically, the, the, the core of the story is that the New York Times put out an article, a whole investigation, basically saying Russia's assassination arm, the same guys who tried to kill a former Russian spy in, in the UK, were paying uh, members of the Taliban, you know, the guys in Afghanistan we tried to kick out in 2002, to kill U.S. troops in Afghanistan. And what's the controversy around this isn't that Russia is doing something to harm U.S. troops. That's harm U.S. interest. That's not news. What is news is that Apparently, the Trump administration knew about this for months. They briefed Trump about it in some form, yet there has been literally no statement. Not Pompeo, not Nuchin, not Asper, not literally anyone in the White House or intelligence. It is not even not Trump, not anyone. They haven't done anything to retaliate. They haven't literally done they, – they have not done anything to tell Russia – to stop doing it. They've literally sat by and allowed the possible murder of U.S. personnel in Afghanistan by a foreign adversary, okay? And so there's two problems with this, okay? Trump either doesn't care about this issue because whatever his situation is with Russia or just doesn't pay attention to his daily briefings, or two, you remember, remember Benghazi? Do you remember that? It was yes. like, 20, like 2012, you know, and Trey Gowdy and the rest of the Republican Congress lost their damn minds and they basically had eight investigations, and, and the investigations were part of the reason why Clinton's 2016 campaign lost. Yeah, Benghazi was a really big part of, the, of you know, Trump's case against Clinton in the 2016 election. Right, and so, I mean, for Trump, this is just, this is all news. I mean, this is nothing new. It's just like Helsinki, where he just sided with Russia over the United States. It's, by not doing anything, he sides with the Russians, even though he knew about it. But for congressional Republicans, okay, to their credit, Lindsey Graham and what, I think, uh, Mitt Romney, some of them have gone out and said that they need to get to the bottom of this and they need some form of retaliation, like sanctions or more troops in Afghanistan, something. But here's the thing. Unlike with Benghazi, okay, this was kept secret for months. This was not talked about. It, was, it, it wasn't even that Susan Rice put out a cover story. It, it's that this administration literally didn't say anything. If it wasn't for the New York Times, we might have not heard about this at all. And so if there's anyone to haul in for aid uh, hearings and aid investigations, it's this intelligence community, like John Radcliffe, it's the people who put into Trump's daily briefing, it's, it's Esper, it's Pompeo, it's literally anyone that could have been complicit in staying silent about this. 
I mean, they didn't even have to say, oh, this happened, so we're doing this against Russia. They could just said, we're announcing more sanctions against Russia, and then tell Congress in private that this was happening. I mean, didn't they didn't even have to tell the public, they, but they should have told Congress. I mean, for God's sake, the Obama administration, when Benghazi happened, they at least told America something. They at least tried to explain what happened, right? Yeah, I mean, you kind of see a change in attitude, you know, although, you know, Benghazi and Russia, you know, they're two different situations, of course. The reactions were different as well. I mean, I think it's hard to compare, you know, Benghazi and Russia because, you know, they deal with entirely different factors. Right. But I mean, I mean, I'll tell you this. I, Russia, you know, has intervened in our elections, especially in 2016 and now this. And, you know, I think this is a development of Russia and the United States not taking any steps to kind of find any com- common ground of any kind, whether it be economic or really anything else. I mean, I know this is a different time, but, you know, the last time I think that Russia and the United States kind of made effective, long-lasting deals that, you know, really lightened the mood, I think, were, you know, in the Soviet era when Gorbachev and Reagan sat down and, you know, signed deals uh, limiting nuclear missiles. And I, I understand that, you know, back then it was an entirely different time, but I'll tell you this. This is only, you know, a result of our inability to to really find any common ground since then. And I think it'll keep getting worse because I'm not sure, you know, that our current administration and Vladimir Putin are willing to sit down and talk. This administration doesn't fight for American interests. You you saw what happened, Helsinki. He rolled over like a dog and decided to back up Putin. He covered for Putin on election interference. I mean... I don't know, man. That wasn't it's... the right. Th- I I don't think that was the right thing to do, in my opinion. But I'll tell. But I think that a better relationship between Russia and United States are, I think, in the interest of both people, both Russian people and American people. The way it's done, of course, that you have to, you know, consider American interest in mind. You don't you don't want to really bow down to Russia when neg- when you know negotiating and speaking to them, of course. But I think a better Russian American relationship will benefit everyone. It's just a matter of how we do it, and we haven't exactly figured that out. And I'm not sure Trump is willing to, you know, invest time in thinking about that as well. Well, they're trying to kill our troops, so I would, I would say that they're not, uh, they're not in good footing right now. No, but I think however long Trump stays in office, I mean, and future presidents beyond, we need to have strong leaders who, you know, are willing to negotiate and speak to Russia and, you know, kind of in a way stand up to them, but also find common ground with them. I think that's very important. Once again, this is a very rough comparison, of course, but Reagan called the Soviet Union an evil empire. Yeah, he, first of all, he stood up to Russia, to the Soviet Union. On the other hand, he met with Gorbachev. He had meetings with Gorbachev. He took steps that previous presidents didn't want to take. I think some of this behavior we, we, we kind of want, you know, in the present day that we're not really getting right now. Maybe a president, Joe Biden, might, might be able to do something productive. I don't know. I mean, I mean, do you, do you think that Joe Biden will be similar on Russia as, as Obama was? I think it would actually be tougher. Why do you think so? Biden has more experience with these with Eastern Europe than Obama does. I mean, he was in charge of Ukraine. He was in charge of uh, a lot of foreign policy. In other news, the June jobs report showed mixed signals for the United States economy. To give some context, this week, coronavirus cases in the United States have reached peak levels. The highest growth occurring in states uh, like uh, such as Texas and Florida. And so basically the United States, which for a time appeared to have been starting to really flatten the curve, 
you suddenly see this very high rise, uh, which comes from these states, and it has completely destroyed our current attempts at flattening the curve. And I'm not really surprised by this. You know, Texas, Florida, and many states haven't really taken the necessary precautions to defend themselves against COVID-19. Looking towards New York, I mean, New York had a really, really bad start. And I think Governor Andrew Cuomo definitely, you know, made a mistake in ordering COVID-19 patients to be put in uh, living facilities. I think that was a really bad decision. But now New York's really doing a much better job. Now they have a 14-day quarantine for all visitors, right? Right. You know, now New York is doing, you know, a much better job at, you know, keeping the curve down than all these other states. And basically, the jobs report reflected all of this. The unemployment rate fell to 11.1%, and there was a record job gain in June of 4.8 million jobs. While the 11.1 unemployment rate is terrible, I mean, it's, it's terrible, of course, but it's better than the 12.4% rate, which was predicted by Dow Jones. And they, in essence, they surveyed economists and they came up with that figure. So we've actually exceeded expectations with the unemployment rate, which is good. And Trump's response was in a news conference shortly after the numbers were released, he said, and I quote, Today's announcement proves that our economy is roaring back. It's coming back extremely strong. I think that statement may be optimistic. I, I don't believe it's right. I mean, you know, the unemployment rate is still, you know, very high. And the end of the first wave in the United States is still not even yet in sight because numbers are still rising in states. And a lot of the economy's recovery, I think, really relies on a vaccine. And based on what I've heard, a vaccine isn't really expected anytime soon. So I think that while the statement may be optimistic, I think it's unrealistic. I think, you know, we have a very long way to go and, you know, past the second wave as well before our economy can truly recover substantially. I'll just say that these numbers are a facade. I would just say that the whole reason why COVID cases are going back up again, I mean, it's inevitable. We are never going to get this 100% right, okay? But the way Abbott and DeSantis and all, and all these, you know, Trumpist politicians did it was that, oh, masks, you don't have to wear them. They're optional. Waiting 14 days for cases to go down? Nope, doesn't matter. We just need the beaches open. Listen, the economy is absolutely important, okay? The problem is that they're going way too far in the other direction here. It's clear that they don't have the right infrastructure to take care of all this. I mean, Houston, okay? Houston, 97% capacity failed. They had to go to the children's hospital to handle the overflow. They didn't, they didn't take enough precautions for adjusting back to normal life. And you talk about Cuomo. Cuomo, he did something right, okay? The states that are not getting major upswings in COVID cases, the majority of them waited 14 days. They followed the CDC guidelines in terms of how to reopen. And it seems to have worked for those states. And like you said, the 14-day quarantine for outside travelers, it's a good idea. I mean, but Jacob, you have point, to you have to agree that the origin that Cuomo made a decision several months back to place COVID-19 patients in living facilities. I think that was a mistake. Right, that is a mistake. No, I'm I'm saying that in terms of just reopening, Cuomo and Baker have done a much better better job than you know DeSantis or Abbott. Yeah, I agree with I that mean, as well. You know. You know, we can talk about how, oh, the numbers are going down. The, num you know, the, the economic numbers are looking better because 
we're having less unemployment. We have 50,000 less unemployment benefit filings. The problem is we're still in great recession territory. We are nowhere near ready to fully open up. And the problem is that, you know, Congress is still trying to get together that next stimulus package. They're still in a limbo right now. And, and, this, and this speaks to the fact that we weren't ready for this. The government was not ready for something like a pandemic. And Bill Gates was right that we weren't ready and we aren't ready. And once that we get some kind of treatment or want some kind of vaccine or ends up being that most people have the virus and we're going to be back to a normal life, herd immunity. I mean, I don't know. I mean, we're, we're going to have such a horrible time actually reopening, fully reopening as a country that I don't know what this is going to do to America's prospects. We, we're going to have to put together a Marshall plan for ourselves. We're going to have to do a whole COVID new deal because of this. There's going to be discrepancies not just between red and blue, not just between rich and poor, but between states. The original fear of the founding fathers. There already are. Granted, it was big states for you know big states and little states, but you know now it's going to be who dealt with COVID correctly, who did it, and caused more people to get sick. We're playing right into the fears of the founders, and it is going to be a literal political bloodbath trying to claw our way back out of this. And meanwhile, Europe's opening up without our, without any, without our travelers. And ain't that say something? Europe is doing a better job than we are. I don't know, man. Yes, Europe did a better job thoughts? because they, uh, they uh, took precautions much earlier than uh, we did. I have a friend uh, who lives in Vienna, and he told me that they took, they started their lockdown much earlier, and now um, they're completely crushing the curve now. So I think the United States, you know, initially the reason why we had such a high rise in cases was because we failed to act in time. This episode is sponsored by Newsvoice. It's an app that takes a community-based approach to news. Users submit links from a variety of news outlets and write headlines and summaries to form accurate and unbiased news stories. The app then takes these stories and categorizes them to your liking. At newsvoice.com VIP, you can get two free months of backer status. With backer status, you get Newsvoice Play, where you can listen to your personal mix of top stories, just like a podcast. When you comment on news stories, you can customize your icon any way you want. And if you stay after the trial, you can get exclusive badges and new features. The money goes to supporting Newsvoice's mission of being an ad-free, independent, community-centered, and user-oriented news aggregator focused on fixing the news for a better, more democratic news landscape. Once again, that's newsvoice.com VIP. And now, back to the show. This week has been heavy for the United States politically and economically. Key wins in Senate primaries with Egan Looper and McGrath in Colorado and Kentucky bring a new type of American politics. The news of Russia and Afghanistan cast doubt on the Trump administration's dealings of Russia and the intelligence community. And the jobs report in June shows that the country is far from a substantial recovery from the COVID-19 pandemic. In other words, it's just another dumpster fire of a week for this country. We'll see you next time. 
And that concludes this episode of Gen Zers Talk Politics. Be sure to follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And send us any and all questions regarding the news or politics, because your questions make the show. Thanks for joining us, and we hope to see you next time.